And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Red alert! All hands to battle stations! Engage! Captain Picard is a pain, isn't he? Interesting. No redeeming qualities. I think you should be destroyed. The great Captain Picard of Starfleet falls to Earth. Go back. Thou shalt most certainly die. Protect yourself, Captain, or they'll destroy you. We are dangerous. What can I offer except myself? One minute to auto destruct. No! Two. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> We're through running from these bastards. Perhaps today is a good day to die. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday number 59, the next generation edition or the 1701D D. edition. <laughs> I'm Chris Honeywell. And that laugh you just heard behind me was Scott Gardner. Hello. And we are here for the next... <laughs> so professional. The next episode in the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Unless, well, yeah, we're, we're here for that. And we're here for the talk. General Star Trek The Next Generation talk. Although I don't have anything Next Generation that's happened to me in the last month. Oddly yeah. enough. I really don't either. I, I've I've heard precious little as far as rumblings or anything of of anything related to uh, to next generation. So yeah, sadly I, I really got nothing at all. I do have an email though. That's something. Go ahead and knock that. Yeah, it is definitely. This is uh, this is exactly what I asked for because it says right here. Well, the uh, the subject line is Klingon for not spam. TNG edition, and it just says you. Uh, well, you threw down the gauntlet for more emails, Scott. Uh, let's have some fun then, and that's exactly what I did. I uh, I've been asking for more emails, more feedback to the show. So thank you very much for listening. And uh, he says, Ah, the enemy, which was that was the name of the uh, episode last time around. He says that's an interesting episode of TNG, and I'm surprised the Romulan friend of LaForge hasn't appeared anywhere else. And the various comics, novels, etc. You'd think they'd uh, mind everything by this point. See, that was my reaction as well. That's what I yeah. thought. I mean, there have been 
I mean, there was that 10 novel, you know, story cycle involving Spot the Cat. <laughs> it feels like that way sometimes. I know. You know, like every single character, you know, whether they deserve any follow-up or not, has been followed up on, so why not one that's actually interesting? But, uh, you know, and again, I could be wrong. I might have missed something, but... You know, by the uh, little bit of research that I did, it didn't appear that way. That yeah, we could have had a Conan the wussified Romulan. <laughs> he says, as for the comic, uh, he says, McRib becomes part of some other ship's crew later. Well, good. Then he becomes somebody else's problem. So, so uh, keep that in mind if he keeps complaining about wanting to be a hero. Though at least he wants to be a hero, which puts him above Conan by a lot. <laughs> And next up, we've got the price, or as I put it, the only thing from TNG that will get followed up on in Voyager on screen. Weird but true. Well, yes and no. We're going to be talking about that in a little bit. But I I wouldn't say that's the only thing in TNG that ever got followed up on in Voyager because uh, late in the series on Voyager, Barkley became... Uh, kind of a semi-regular character on there, and if I remember probably, it's been a while since I've watched That uh, was that dog from Sesame Street, right? (laughs) Actually, I think you're right. I think that was the dog from Sesame Street. But it's been a long time now, uh, several years at least since I watched Voyager, especially those last couple of uh, seasons there, but I think think if i'm not mistaken that not only was he in the episodes but i think he didn't he end up being instrumental in in helping voyager get back home i think so i have no i really can't remember now but no i i would not say it's the only thing but it's one of the few like direct references slash sequels but again we're we're jumping the gun so we'll get into that a little bit later in the uh, in the episode proper but that's from uh, Jason Trenner thank you very much for writing in Jason I do appreciate it the rest of you slackers uh, it's time to step up send some uh, emails send some feedback to next gen edition of Star Trek monthly Monday so we have something else to talk about at the beginning of these episodes since we're not really getting anything new in the world of TNG to talk no. about no, the last big thing that happened with TNG was when they re-released the DVDs all remastered and fixed up. Right. Right. Then nothing. Nothing. You can see them all on StarTrek.com in alphabetical <laughs> order. Well, you want to just go ahead and just get right to it then? That's what we're here for. All right, let's do that. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation... Passion fires up the Enterprise when Consul of Troy meets a mysterious diplomat. When I first saw you, I felt as if I'd been waiting for you. But he's hiding special powers that could destroy critical negotiations. You're reading their emotional states and then using that to manipulate them. On Star Trek The Next Generation. So this episode is called the price and as chris said this is a third season episode i wish it was because vincent price was on this episode but <laughs> the price is right <laughs> bob, bob barker, barker was on should it. have been yeah he should have been one of the negotiators in this how did they miss that opportunity hi this is bob barker asking everybody to spay or neuter your klingon <laughs> 
You know, I'm I'm serious though. They they could have not only got him, they they could have had all of the negotiators in this episode could have actually been game show hosts. That would have been cool. That would have been fun. Yeah. You know, get Bob Barker Rink and like Martindale. Rink Martindale and uh uh was what's his name? Burt Convy, was he still alive Why not? at that time? I'm not sure. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. All right, anyway, the synopsis for this one. This is the Enterprise orbits Barzan 2, site of a wormhole, a tunnel through the fabric of space. Normally, the ends of these tunnels are unstable, constantly shifting in position. In this case, however, both ends appear fixed, and the far side of the wormhole is on the other side of the galaxy. That distance would normally take the Enterprise nearly a century to travel. Using the Barzan wormhole, the ship could make the same journey in seconds. Lacking the technology necessary to exploit this resource, the Barzan are taking bids for the management of the wormhole. In the process, they hope to gain financial security for themselves. The negotiations will take place on the Enterprise. Several interested parties have shown up, including the Ferengi, and the Chrysalian delegate Devin, Devin, Devinani Rall. This guy's got a weird, weird name, Devinani Rall. To establish that both sides of the wormhole are truly stable, Picard sends a shuttle containing Data and LaForge into the wormhole, which I think is an incredibly stupid That's idea. This is dumb. Yes, it is. A romance begins between Rall and Troy during which Rawl reveals that he, like Troy, is empathic. However, as Rawl uses his empathic skills uh, to sense the emotions of the other negotiators and use this to his advantage, Troy becomes dismayed. Meanwhile, Data and LaForge exit the wormhole in the wrong place. Doesn't Disturbed. stop her from building the beast with two backs with it. <laughs> yeah, this is very true. Disturbed, Data and LaForge head back. By this time, Rawl has eliminated all the competition except the Federation and the Ferengi. Sensing that the Barzan are ready to sign with the Federation, Rawl makes an agreement with the Ferengi captain to stage a mock attack on the wormhole. Rawl guesses that hostilities between the Federation and the Ferengi will cause the Barzan to sign with him. The ploy works, but soon Troy exposes it. Moments later, Data and LaForge return and report that the other side of the wormhole is unstable and therefore useless. When the Chrysalians learn that they have purchased a worthless wormhole, they recall Rawl for an explanation. Wow, is that a dry synopsis. Well, just like all the next generation synopsis, synopses or however, they seem to like to eject... Uh, what it's a storyline. Yeah. One of the storylines in it. And one of the big storylines in this is that Riker is put into the negotiations. Right. And there's the whole storyline of him sort of rising to the occasion mm-hmm. and being basically the the only worthy adversary in the in the whole negotiations to the to the empath. I would honestly say that if it wasn't for the Riker sections of this episode, mm-hmm. I'd find this one virtually unwatchable. Well, uh, my first note is, whoa, this is looking like a Scott episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right off the bat, I gotta say, Devin Ani Rawl, super freaking creepy, dude. He just, 
He's got no concept of personal space. He's sleazy. He's slimy. He's smarmy. And he's a borderline rapist. I mean, he just moves right in on Troy. And And, I understand that they've only got 40-some minutes to play with, but there's no pretense. There's no flirty. There's no feet under the table. It is straight from, hi, how you doing? Let's go screw for a while. And that, to me, just the way it's... That sounds very Gene Roddenberry. (laughs) It it does, but it moves... It's not just simply that it moves fast. It moves fast in a very predator-like way. Well, they pull this whole thing with Troy where, you know, okay, she's an empath, so it's like a connection is sensed. And when she senses a connection, she moves in, you know, she reacts, you know, the Betazoids react to it, and they're very sexual creatures or whatever. But as an empath, she's really playing that bad stereotype of like picking picking the asshole because <laughs> this guy's i mean there's some but, there was something about even the actor who played him that just made me want to punch him in the face yeah yeah he's very punchable he's he's punchable but not and and it's not in a like it, it is in a smarmy way but like you said there's there's a predator creepy creepiness to yeah. it yeah yeah, and what adds to that for me is that there's only one scene, to, to my recollection, in the entire episode that works for me on the level of Troy's really horny and just really needs this guy. And that's the scene between Troy and Crusher uh, in the gym yes. or, the, or the creepy mirror room or wherever the, the hell the they're Crusher at. Crusher camel toe scene. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, Every time she and Rawl are actually together and he's putting his creepy moves on her, does she not look like a nervous, scared little schoolgirl? School like, like she's underage oh, and he's, doing something he's basically, she why are you fighting me? Stop fighting me. Stop, stop fighting me. Stop fighting me. Stop fighting me. Exactly. And that, to me, really creeps me out. It makes me very uncomfortable with those moments of the episode because she doesn't look like she wants to be there. I've just turned up the creep factor by by I'm playing blurred lines right now underneath us. I don't know if you've heard that song, (laughs) but it's a creepy predator song where the guys go, I know you want it, but you're a good girl. Right, yeah. That's kind of, yeah. Which has come under fire for being a creepy predator song. (laughs) So I I just thought, it's but... Man, what a catchy tune. But he does. He he just he moves right in on her. And and not you know, not in like a a gentlemanly way, like hi, you know, I want to get to know you. You know, like like a like a gentleman where he comes right in like a predator would. And it's just yeah, it's I think very comfortable. It came off like that. I think they were trying to write it as in, you know, oh, we felt this instant connection between the yeah, two of us. Yeah, it doesn't work no. that But it, it really doesn't. This, to me, is, is an example, and not a good one, of when a background character gets pushed into the foreground. Because, now, maybe this is just me and my own prejudices. I just don't care about Troy. I don't care about her, her arc her her background her her story as it will to me she's a background character she's 
you know, forgive me, Nichelle Nichols. She's an Uhura. I don't give a shit about Uhura's backstory either. I'm glad she's been there all these years. I, I like the role that she plays, but I'm perfectly fine with her saying, hailing frequencies open, sir, and that's it. Because there are certain characters that that's the function that they serve. I feel the same way about, say, I don't know, like Perry White and Jimmy Olsen. I don't need stories and series about these people i'm content with them filling the function that they fill he's the editor of the newspaper period troy is the counselor for the ship she's there to deliver some inane and obvious story beat in case you're just too stupid to realize that the bad guy is doing something shady Mm -hmm. and that's it and suddenly when she gets pushed into the forefront, I'm bored out of my mind because I just, I don't give a shit. I'm sorry. And her whole bullshit with, you know, oh, you're empathic. Well, that's just wrong. And I love that he calls her on it. That yeah. he says, we do exactly the same. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, he says and, only when you do it, people's lives are at stake. Right. And... That that's the only moment in this episode that I actually like the guy. During that one moment, mm-hmm. he gets a little defensive about it, and he's like, "No, don't don't be judging me. You do the same thing." But for the most part, yeah, I really do find him punchable, and I really wish that there had been a, a physical moment between him and Riker. Like Riker's like, "All right, let's settle this right now. Let's go down to the holodeck and uh, put the gloves on so I can beat the holy shit out of you," you know. I would have loved that. It was good enough, I guess, that he got a good dressing down from Riker because Riker really, uh, really gave it to him there, you know, verbally in the uh, in ten forward. But I, I would have liked it better if it was an actual, you know, physical matchup between the two of them because I think Riker would have broke him in two. Oh but... yeah, that would have been very fun to watch. I did like the scene at the very beginning. And, and and that's why I wrote looks like a Scott episode because it looked like they were bringing in Troy's mom because oh, they're God. like oh you have five messages from yeah. the mother on and she's like oh God and then she starts going around with the computer which right. is hilarious because that's her mom's voice in the computer have we had the episode yet where, where Mrs. Troy and the computer talk to each other no I'm, that, I'm, maybe fun. I don't know if they have in the in her other appearances. Now that you mention it, that I found very humorous. Yeah, but I I thought that was that was a nice little in joke, you know. And it and it was neat that the computer was frustrating her and that it's her mom's voice. Mm-hmm. But you know, in in the meta sense, in the you know, and it's the same actress. And I, I was a big fan of Skinny Space Cheech. <laughs> it's exactly what he looked. He looked like Cheech, like after like getting out of like Guantanamo Bay or something like that. He was one of the few actors that was in this episode that I didn't look up to see what else he had been in. Let's see. So this is maybe Up best known spoke. for a recurring role as Cesar Ortega on the primetime soap opera Falcon Crest. I oh, I remember next, Falcon so. Crest. I, I remember the it. show, but I never, yeah, I never watched it. Um, yeah, that's all I'm really, on a quick glance here, that's all I'm really seeing. Now, does this wormhole feed into Deep Space Nine at all, or was it, or do you think maybe this was like... 
some some sort of oh he was in Rike in Terminator 2 holy shit oh okay now I do know him he was the the arms dealer guy yeah. that Sarah Connor goes to out in the desert yeah he does <laughs> yeah he does okay now I do recognize something else he'd been in that's funny that's very funny um I'm sorry what'd you start to ask me oh <laughs> There were uh, there were a couple of uh, notables in this one. That big dude that looked like he was like evolved, like he looked like a humanoid cow or something, mm -hmm. um, was played by Kevin Peter Hall, who was the Predator and Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. So he's a really tall guy who gets a yeah. lot of work in Hollywood. <laughs> I think. Was he? No, I don't think he was Lurch. I don't. Th I can't remember. I think that's a different actor. But uh, he's been dead a long time now. He died. It says here he died uh, in 1991. I didn't realize it was quite that long Jeez. ago. But yeah, he was one of those famous like monster. Yeah. Uh, monster character. You know, character actors that was always you know always destined to be the monster because he was huge. You know, he was yeah. a great. You know, kind of like. Uh, I like the guy that played Lurch. What was it? Ted Cassidy. Well, the problem, the sad thing about those guys, those huge guys, is, is they get they don't. Actually, a lot of them don't get to be very old. Right. Yeah. Because they usually just develop all sorts of horrible conditions from being so tall. Right. I mean, remember when we saw Peter Mayhew? He was. Yeah. He was, you know, sporting a cane. Right. This me this episode is always memorable to me for uh, something that Jason uh, hinted at in his uh, email, in the fact that it, it has a connection to Star Trek Voyager because there's the moment in this where Data and LaForge go into the wormhole in the shuttlecraft, but then the Ferengi also send their own version of a shuttlecraft in there that has two Ferengi in it, and those two Ferengi in this episode, it's done like. You know, like a comedy moment where the the wormhole it's dark comedy just, though. When you yeah, think very dark. Yeah, the, the wormhole just suddenly goes away, and then they're stranded. You know, seventy years from the federal. You know, from their own territory, so they're never going to get home. And the implication is, well, that's it. They're gonna they're gonna starve. They're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, in this shuttlecraft. That's but they kind of deserve it because they're pricks. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, you know, they didn't listen. You know, LaForge tried to help him, and they they didn't listen to him, but. That actually does get followed up on in Voyager, which I thought was interesting. And again, looking up today, the different actors that were in this episode, I totally did not recognize him. But one of the two uh, Ferengis in the shuttlecraft is Dan Shore, the guy that played Ram in Tron. Oh, wow. And oh, I never also, would have recognized yeah, I, that. I, yeah, I didn't either. And he was also uh, Billy the Kid in um, Bill and Ted's Excellent oh, Adventure too. But yeah, I didn't I didn't recognize him at all in this. Oh. This yeah, this is a weird one. It, it, you know because I, for one thing, I think it starts out really rough and not particularly interesting. Gets a little bit better when once Riker gets involved in it and everything, and then in the end, the way the whole thing ends and everything, it, it kind of ends on a like, eh, I don't really care. No, you know. So 
Yeah, I like how I, I yeah, it's just because I like Riker's character. He plays to win, and mm-hmm. he does it in a good-natured way. But I do like when he finally is just like, "Look, douche." <laughs> right. You can do this and do this, but don't do this because I will crush you. Crush you. There is a really good moment in this episode, though, where it's it's in Picard's ready room, and Picard's seated seated at his desk, and Riker's standing off to the side, and then it's the Ferengi captain, and he's got one or two of his other men with him, and he, the the Ferengi captain says something like, you know, he he makes some threat or something. And Riker just calls him on it. He's like, well, yeah, well, go ahead and send your own damn ship in there then. And the look that Picard gives him is priceless. Like, oh, shit, why why did you say, you know, you didn't clear that with me. Why did you do that? And he looks seriously peeved. But then a moment later, it's, you know, when it's just the two of them, he doesn't say a thing to Riker about it. And there's times when I wonder, did he cut Riker a lot of slack because Riker's a big friggin' dude, you know, and he just kind of towers over him. <laughs> and I, I, there's times when I really honestly wondered that, like, like maybe he wanted to dress Riker down a little bit, but he just, you know, he gives him a lot of leeway because he's huge. Not the time to do it, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I just thought I, that was hysterical. I like the comedy bit when the Ferengi first showed up and they were preoccupied with having chairs. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. But will there be chairs? <laughs> And that's all well and good, but you know who's who's gonna bring the, then who's in charge of bringing us chairs? I thought that that was a nice little piece of comedy. This is one of the few Ferengi episodes I can kind of stomach because it actually plays to what they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, my my rule still stands, which is Ferengi in it. Yeah, I hate that episode. Well, at least you I, have no Wesley in this one. <laughs> That's true. Oh, they should have sent Wesley in to investigate exactly. the world. And you have him get trapped 70 years from anybody that gives a shit about him. Then the next time you see him, he'll be 80 years old. 85, <laughs> you know, 89 years old, 90 years old. Perfect. They never even mentioned him, did they? They didn't mention no. like, what he, where he was or what he was doing. or yeah. Was Jordy in this one either? I don't... Yeah, Jordy was in the shuttlecraft. Oh, that's Data. right. Duh. Yeah. Just briefly, though. Yeah. Worf's was was Worf in there anywhere? I don't seem to recall any Worf. You would think they would have had Worf hanging around just to make sure nothing got rowdy in the no- negotiations. He he was actually in the very beginning when the that scene you were just talking about where the the Daemon was asking for chairs. Oh, he that's right. Like, have have your Klingon go fetch me chairs or oh, something. Oh, that's right. Like He's that. like I'm head of security, and they were just like, <laughs> and I eat Frangie like you. Uh, yeah, that's about all I can. I let's see the other regulars, you know, Riker, Picard. Yeah, I think everybody else was pretty much in there though. You got that little moment with uh, with Crusher, Camel Toe Crusher in the in the mirror room. Just gratuitous. Is it another Rod? Totally gratuitous. Rod Roddenberry style. Yeah, totally gratuitous. Nice little moment, though. I oh still, yeah, she does girl on girl me, workout. But... I like how they did their, their, their workout, but then they had they had to do a little workout where they had to cooperate with each other and touch each other. That's mm-hmm. always nice. I'm being creepy, aren't I? 
No, I'd already pretty much figured you'd have that on a loop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that. There's been a video floating around for like the lot since the internet called Star Trek: The Sexed Generation. That <laughs> has some song that someone made that has that scene looped around in it several. It has all the sexy scenes from Star Trek <laughs> on it, but that one's like looped around. That one's totally. That one's a little late. That one, I mean, what year was this? Probably like 90, right? You know, I, I keep meaning to throw those into these episodes, like what years these are and everything. I just, I get lazy. But it's a throwback to, to the 80s. It's, it's uh, the first on. aired November 13th of 89. 89. So, yeah, so it's still up. in the 80s. So yeah. basically that was, that was porn. <laughs> yeah. In the in the. Oh yeah, this was, this was, was the. Aerobics. Yeah, uh, if you wanted to watch porn on TV, right. right? So, so it was it was sort of a little '80s flashback, and it, it was good to see that Troy wore a Lipton separate jumpsuit when she. <laughs> Have you ever seen the uh, the naked pictures of her that are floating around out there? I saw the movie that she was in it with with, with um. What was it? The Wicked Lady or something like that? Yeah. It was yeah. With, what's her what's her name overacting like crazy. Cuz her uh her is completely it's completely the costume cause... She's she's topless in in that pretty much in every scene she's in, in that movie. Yeah. If you really want to see it. It's a younger it's a younger um it's a fresh, you know, Fresh into the acting world, Marina Sirtis. Right. In that movie. For anybody who wants to go, I'm I'm sure there's a bunch of people like torrenting it right now. <laughs> I mean, I've I've seen the key scenes, so <laughs> didn't didn't do it. She she just no, neither here her nor uh, Crusher. I I like that little scene between the two of them, but neither one of them really does all. Oh, that I would have been the creepy center of that Oreo. <laughs> You got, you're kidding me? No, I, I, yeah, I would, yeah, I would, I would have no problem with with either of them. I'll, although I, I, I know it's gonna sicken you, but I would take Troy first. I would, I would. Oh, over Crusher, definitely. Yeah. I just in general, I, th I find her attractive. But she just, she has that like just vacuous stare half the time. Like, like she just, there's just, you know, the lights are on, but nobody's home. You know. But yeah. I don't know. Some guys like that sort of thing. I have some emotions for her to sense. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously she likes creepy. So, I, and and now that I've watched all the show, I know all the I know all the lines at work. You know, just get her a chocolate bar. She's good to go. It, it just seems like we had this instant connection. <laughs> Look, we're still connected. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're freaking me out, dude. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should be a negotiator, <laughs> hostage negotiator, hostage negotiator. There you go. I don't know what I'd do with all those hostages once I want them. Oh wait, no way. I'd be on the other side, right? Okay. <laughs> 
I'm not used to being on that side of the hostage situation. <laughs> trying to look here to see what our what our next episode is, and all I got's a name here, the Vengeance Factor. But I have what the hell one is this? I have no idea what episode this is, so I don't know. Well, we'll know in the next month. That's yeah, we'll know. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll know next month. I just I I'd like to know ahead of time. Like, hmm, did I like this one back then, or is it not a good one? Or but uh, pff, I literally don't remember a damn. See, thing I don't about even it, think so. about it anymore because I don't. You know, I just have right. a scattershot memory of any of it after this point. So. Right. It's all new to me, so the vengeance factor is enough for me to go on. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling it's some sort of revenge story. <laughs> I think it's going to say revenge is bad, okay? You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.